Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastolka, and I'm excited today because with me today, I've got Daniel Feldkura home. Daniel, thanks for being here today. It's an honor. I'm, I'm very excited to chat with you today. Yeah, we're going to be talking today about scaling a home services business. And Daniel, you've been doing this for a while now. I mean, you you started out working for a home services business and started your own. So we always like to start the show out by letting you tell us a bit about your background and kind of the history of how you got into where you're doing into what you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. I, I'd like to start, I guess, kind of in the beginning, I'm, a, I'm one of six kids and, and my family, actually, we were, we were very poor. We were the family that the, my dad's paycheck came in on Friday and we went to town and cashed it and picked up groceries after that. So it was uh, the epitome of paycheck to paycheck, but my parents started breeding golden retriever puppies by accident. And that actually grew to a very successful six figure business today. And, and uh, they've got a waiting list out the wazoo for their dogs. And wow. so I saw that, you know, growing up in that entrepreneurship environment gave me confidence and started almost like accidentally just through like 4-H and things like that. I grew up in a small town, but people would ask me like, Hey, will you train my horse for me? You know, I was a farm kid. We had, we had all animals, all the things. And, uh, and, and yeah, for a couple hundred bucks, I'll do it. And so grew up kind of doing little like side things and I would train horses and sell them to other 4-H kids. Like I'd buy them for meat price and sell them for like 750, you know, we make a couple hundred bucks over the summer, but, uh, parents built their dream home when I was 16 and we did everything ourselves basically. So I was there to pour the foundation. I put one of the last shingles on, you know, with all those guys and, and yeah. everything in between and took three times as long as it's supposed to, but we, we got the job done. Went to school, studied business marketing. After that, I worked for a really cool company. They sell 6 million chicken eggs a day and got really involved in their systems and processes. My main job was to create SOPs. And, and if you think it's easy to get an egg on your table, there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, from there, I, I did start working actually for my brother's company. He, they do window cleaning holiday lights. And I was his general manager, really fun experience working side by side with him. And we went from eight crews to 16 crews in two years. And uh, it was really fast, explosive growth. He's, he's an incredible business person. I still um, look up to him and frequently uh, ask him questions on the right way to, to do things. So, but um, then um, the idea came to start a routine maintenance company. And I, I told him about it and, you know, working with his higher end, customer base, you know, you'd be talking to a customer and they'd be like, Oh, do you, do you know someone who can do this? You know, if someone can do that. What I really found is that people are just not maintaining their homes and homes are becoming more and more complex. Machines are being built cheaper. There's more filters that need to be changed on them and people aren't doing everything. And, and just with that entrepreneurship spirit and always wanting to either invent something or start my own company at the age of 26, I wasn't married yet. I had a few side things going on. I was renting out the base of my house, house hacking that. And then I was boarding and trading dogs on the side. And those two, as a side income, pretty passive, were bringing in about 45K a year. So took a reverse equity line against my house for $32,000. I filed the LLC for Cure Home. I gave my brother a four-month notice. And uh, and I started Cure Home in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is the entrepreneurial American uh, dream uh, yes. being able to, you know, start working, working for somebody, getting some side hustle going mm -hmm. and then turning it into a full time business. So 100 uh, percent. Yeah, that's good. So let's let's back up a little bit. So six, six million eggs a day. What are yeah. some of the things that I mean, when you're moving that many eggs, what are some of the things that you wouldn't think about that you're real that are really a pain in the butt for that? Well, so I was, I was on, I wasn't on the production side. I wasn't on the chicken yep. side. I was on the egg side of processing. So these yep. eggs are coming in on this huge conveyor belt belt. They're, they're four feet wide and then they get separated and then they go through this wash. And there's a ton yep. of machines that are involved for quality control because you know, a bad egg comes by here and there yep. and it's all done automated. They're sized, they're yep. washed and it's all awesome. And then they got to the point where it would go in and then by sizes, 
there's a, a huge role. There's like for all the different sizes, because the older a chicken gets, the larger the egg. So when they're young, it, it starts out with a small egg and, and then their size and they're put into the cartons and they come down. And originally we had a ton of people packing these eggs and a, a majority of them were typically Hispanic women who are stereotypically shorter. So if you were going to go and help to learn this job, you're bending over significantly farther than they are to pack these yeah. eggs, you know, because they have to go in. And uh, they were a USDA uh, representative was always there, like checking eggs and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, very high quality. When you're dealing with food that, you know, people are going to be eating, it's got to yeah. be just just right. So now they have machines that as the eggs are coming down there, it, a robot comes and pulls that. And uh, most of the people that now are, are just like watching the machines, making sure the machine is is doing the mm -hmm. job properly. But boy, if you stop and take a break, the eggs keep coming. Like the chickens yeah. lay the eggs and you, you got to pack them. And it's, it's very amazing just to stand there and watch some of that stuff and what's going on. Well, and it's, it's amazing when you see agricultural production like that and, and understand what it takes to get that dozen eggs to the, to the grocery yes. store. Right. Yeah. It's, and, and, it is amazing. Yeah. From that conveyor belt to get that in the semi on the pallet, you know, and that's, that's going off to the grocery store, the distribution center. It is really incredible. The amount of the effort. I mean, it's just crazy. And that they can do it for a buck 50 or whatever. It's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that is, that is a, a weird little side fact is, is when we were in Mexico last year, we noticed they don't refrigerate the eggs. Yeah. So the interesting fact about that, I also live on a hobby farm. If, if you, uh, <laughs> this is a complete side topic, but if yeah, you, yeah. yeah. So if the, if you don't wash the egg, it doesn't need to be refrigerated. So once you wash it, it has to be refrigerated. There's a protective layer on that egg that if you, if you don't. And so my wife and I, we've got, uh, believe it or not, about 26 chickens running around outside. And as they lay eggs, if we don't wash them, they, they sit right on our countertop until we cook them. Oh, geez. That's why. Yeah. I was like, why yeah. is this happening? Yeah. So, so once you wash them, though, then it, it has to be refrigerated for sure. And that's why all the ones from the store, they've been washed because, you know, yeah. uh, people. Don't want dirty. <laughs> yeah. Americans don't want to find a turd on an egg. That's, yeah, uh, that yeah, won't go exactly. over very well. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. That's really cool. So when you're working for your brother's company now, what were they doing there? And let's, let's talk about that expansion, because that expansion had to kind of be painful at times. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely painful. Uh, you know, they're they're cleaning windows, installing holiday lights. And, um, you know, my brother started his company actually in 2007, right before the recession. The guy can outwork anyone doing anything. It's I mean, he's an amazing workhorse. And uh, one thing that he did really, really well was take a client that was signing up for a one time service and turn them into a lifelong customer. And um, there was just so many different things I did from providing high quality service, you know, really pulling on really high quality people to represent your company, training them properly. And then, you know, at, at once that first sunny day hits every spring, that guy jumps on the phone and, and, and A through Z, I mean, we're calling everyone and it's time to get your windows clean, time to get your windows clean. And, and it slows down a little bit in July and August. And believe it or not, they, they start putting Christmas lights up in, in August. And, and today they somehow, he installs over 4,000 residential jobs, putting up lights. And, and that's gotta be done basically from September to, oh, yeah. you know, December 10th. And it's a, it's a, it's just unbelievable what, what that guy can do. So he also during that time uh, invented and patented a Christmas light clip that he now sells to hundreds of, of other Christmas light companies as well across the nation. So just a very, he's, he, I'm on this podcast, but he should, he probably should be. He's, he's almost more respectful entrepreneur than I am. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting. Yeah, especially as 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 we're one of those uh, Griswoldian households in our neighborhood that you know you're you're taxing your electrical system every time. Well, LEDs have changed that. Yeah, so for sure. That's it's a lot nicer now because it literally at my house at Christmas time you would the electricity bill would double for, yeah. the, <laughs> for yep. that period and then go back down. But that's and cool because it's it there there is in in those kind of things i mean when you're talking about doing that for windows lights anything like this it's much different than you or i doing it on our home own mm -hmm. home because now we're talking about scheduling around other people's schedules making sure that everything you know materials are there for my people to do the job correctly as you said my people are trained Mm -hmm. because you think about cleaning a window and believe it or not, you probably had to train people on the proper way to clean a window. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's when, when you're going to clean a window professionally, 
then and these are very very particular people i mean you and and so i think well the best thing i ever learned from from my brother is we're going to find our most particular customer and we're going to train every single one of our people to that standard so that that most particular customer is satisfied and that's going to be our standard across the board and that helps so much because when you're running a service-based business, especially if you're dealing with callbacks, having to go back and, and fix something. And, and some of those callbacks would be like, hey, there's a smudge on the window. And the guy would walk up with a towel and fix the smudge and be like, okay, yep, that's better. Thanks. And, you know, I mean, people, if they're paying for something, it has to be mm -hmm. perfect. It's not like you're asking your husband to do it on a, or the wife to do it on a Saturday morning. I mean, it's it has to be perfect. It has to be efficient. It has to be profitable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a great point. Finding the, the most uh picky or critical customer and satisfying them because then everybody's happy for sure 100 if you build your processes around that and training around that you're you can naturally have a high level of satisfaction in the field yes so most definitely so as you guys were scaling that you scaled that from me you said from doubled the amount of crews there mm-hmm what were some of the things that you ran into? Because you already had a, a multiple crews, so you had some things in place. But when you doubled, what were some of the things that that popped its ugly head that you didn't see before? Yeah, I think you know, getting people to understand your systems and your processes as quickly as possible is is always a challenge. And and one thing that we didn't do there that I now do is really document and 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 you know get everything written down, right? So and yeah. and sometimes it's as easy as jumping on and and recording a video and hey, here's the best way to do this on your first day of work. Here's what I expect you to wear. Here's when I expect you to show up, and and you set that up to automatically send out. You know, just these these little yeah. repeatable tasks that. I just don't want to answer the same question twice. But during that time, it was getting vehicles affordably. He would buy um, a lot of vehicles for like a pickup truck, pretty old for four or five grand. And hey, can we get two years out of this thing? And then getting yeah. the materials in time because all of a sudden you get your busy season and you've got all, like, you know, eight, nine trucks sitting here. Now also we need 12 and we got to get, you know, all these sets of ladders and all these things. And it's the overdrive of you're answering the phones, trying to get these guys rocking and rolling and, and then getting the system in place to duplicate everything as quickly as possible. So that was one of the best things was just how do we duplicate a truck? How do we get these guys trained in? And with that, I think the best thing that um, came of it is crew leaders. You you have a crew leader and then a, a, a helper and the helper eventually is ready to be a crew lead. And you've just got to work with those guys, give them the confidence so that they're ready to go when it, when it comes time. Yeah. Yeah. I, and listening to you talk now, it brings back a, a memory from, I was talking with my brother who's got a um, uh, electrical contracting and automation business and they work in the oil fields. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me about, you know, when they started and then they started really growing, mm -hmm. they had to, they started buying the same truck, putting the same yes. toolboxes, the same tools in it, and then yeah. developing the checklist of tools that went into every truck and Correct. the processes to make sure that every driver knew that, you know, they were responsible for them and could do inventory on the trucks and, right. and everything else. And then, then, you know, then these, these things add. And then when, like when you guys are, are at a certain point, and I've seen this in, in roofing companies and, and, and in this electrical company, you probably had almost had to have runners from time to time that would, you know, some it ran out or some extraneous situation, you got to have somebody there quick because otherwise you're more time on site. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, because guys, you know, forget things. The the worst is the uh, the guys pirating uh, equipment from each other's uh, vehicles. That's probably the absolute worst. But yeah, all of a sudden you've got someone a, a CSR who's supposed to be answering the phones and and hey, we uh, we need a garden hose at this job so we can pressure wash it or whatever it is. And you're and yeah. you're you're just putting out little mini fires so that because we don't want to come back to this job. I've got two guys there. They need to be making money. We've we got to, we're never gonna get the day back. So we got to make equip them to do the job and. You know what do you do? Yell at the guys for why didn't you see if you had a hose with your pressure washer when you knew you're going to be doing that? And and so just continuously encouraging, motivating, and training. You know, taking any opportunity to say, hey, in the future, how can we prevent this? So I don't have to drive 30 minutes across Minneapolis to, to get you that piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah, yep. So when it comes to people, what did you learn there that you didn't you didn't uh, expect that you would learn? You know, I think the the biggest thing was if you really give people a lot of like the time and attention, you get to know people, 
they're going to give you all their, their best. And, and, and that takes like, sometimes it's as simple as just having a, you know, coming in the morning and, and you, as a general manager, you got to be there, be one of the first ones there. And I never, I didn't, I didn't smoke, but you know, just standing out there with those guys while they're all having their cigarette and listen to, Hey, you know, what was the weekend all about? Like, what'd you guys do? And you're laughing, you're standing there, you're laughing and they realize that you're a human too, you know, and, and just taking that time to get to know people. And, and I think one thing, the, the biggest thing is that as you get to know people, if you ask for their best and you, and you convince them that they, they do have it in you and you hold them to that standard and you then hold everyone to the standard, including yourself, people become the average of the five people that they spend time with. So if you've got one outlier in here, either, Hey, you're going to be gone because you don't fit in with the rest of us, or you've got to step up the game and you, and you talk to the guys. And I think one of my favorite lines is, Hey, on your best day, I take a million of you, but on your worst day, we'd be out of business. And, and so we, we, we're only as good as you on your worst day. I, I need your worst to be a lot better. Like I need you, I need your best effort on Monday morning. You can't come in here feeling crappy from a long weekend or things like that. Like drink water, get eight hours of sleep, exercise, you know, all these little things. And sometimes you got to babysit a little like that, a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you, you, you explained it well, but leading people takes time and, yes. and, and leading helps people see with their true potential. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing there. That's, that's super cool. So then you're, you're working with him and you decide to start your own company. So what, what was it that you said, Hey, this is cool, bro, but I'm, I, I want to go out and do my own thing. What was it that, that gave you that? I want to start something else and this is what I want to do. Yeah. The original conversation, and we both say it's a little different, but the original conversation is actually he had bought into a property management company and for the very high end, like we're talking NFL players, NBA players, high yeah. end, the 1% of the 1%, they're completely managing your summer home for you or your cabin yeah. here or whatever it is. Yeah. And you, you want new speakers put in, you got it. Say no more. I'll get geek squad out here. I'll get three bids. I'll have it all done. By the time you come here next, there's going to be a step-by-step -step directions on how to connect your phone. And you're, you're good to go. And the frustration for them is that they only had two customers, which is not sustainable. They were charging like $1,500 a month. And so my recommendation was, Hey, based on the conversations we've had with all these customers of wanting people to take care of their homes, why don't you lower your offering to something that you're normal, like a business owner, C-level executive or a dual income home. These things that some your everyday wealthier people are hiring service people can afford. And they, they bought, they, they didn't laugh me out of the room, but they're like, no, that's not, that's not who we are. That's not what we're going to do. Um, that would never work. And so when people tell me that I can't do something or it can't work, it's kind of a little bit of a trigger for me. So I, I'm like, well, I'm going to do some research and look all over. I couldn't find another company that did it. There was not in Minnesota. There was like one other company that was doing handyman and routine maintenance. So they visit once a month, come in, do all your routine maintenance and like offer like an hour of handyman. So came back the next month and went, Hey guys, I, I've got something for you. These guys are actually offering franchises. So I know it, it, it's very expensive to do that and they must be doing well. We should, we should add this to your current service offering. You have all you've thousands and thousands of high end routine of uh, clients on, in your list. And they're like, no, it's a dumb idea. It won't work. So this starts uh, this research thing. I get home and I'm, you know, I'm staying up till 11 midnight, just researching away, seeing, and I actually became a certified home inspector online during that time. So I just could learn as much as possible about homes. And mm -hmm. uh, through all that, I, I decided I'm like, Hey, it's time to, I had filed like an LLC for my rental. I was renting mm -hmm. a base in my house. I had filed an LLC to board and train these dogs. I'm like, it's time to file another LLC here. And uh, I decided to secure a home. And like I mentioned earlier, it was just the right time because I, w I was young. There wasn't, I had this income coming in of, you know, being able to, as a 26 year old guy, you don't need to be making a ton of money to, to get by, you know, worst case scenario, you go and buy some Roma pizzas and, and ramen noodles and you're, you're doing just fine. So um, it, it was just an opportunity of, of if, if not now, when am I going to do it? And, and it really, it seemed great. So we're, we, I left on really awesome terms and yeah. I'm still, my brother, we're, he's one of my best friends where we've, we refer a lot That's of business awesome. back and forth. So it was really, I think giving that four month notice was, um, was, was good for, for him, even though he didn't replace me for quite a while, but I think it, it, it let it set in for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It let you, you helped to help with the transition for quite mm -hmm. a while. Yep. So you, you got to be a certified home inspector. So what did you learn with that? Because I think that's an interesting twist in you coming into the home maintenance business, coming at it from the, 
the standpoint of inspecting homes, you're going to see what's been done and what hasn't done. So what did you learn in that in that process, the home inspection? Yes. Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I learned was like, what 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 does what in the house? Right. Like, what is this machine in? Because because today we maintain like 12 million dollar estates. But then we also maintain the, the you know, $150,000 townhome and everything in between. Yeah. And yeah. and for me, what I really learned is that, hey, when I walk in and here's this out of the world, you know, system in and because some of these, they have three, four utility rooms. And what is this yeah. thing? And so basically it, it allowed me to walk into a home, provide an estimate and be the educated, knowledgeable, knowledgeable person in the room for a majority of the people that call us out for an estimate are women. And so they they don't want to yeah. care what's in the in the uh, utility room, right? They, they never go in there until, unless an alarm goes off or, you know, the kids are coughing and it's time to change the furnace filter. So for, for me walking in, I knew the difference, what's going on in, in this townhome, what's going on in the $12 million state and everything in between and how can I be the educated professional? And and for me, it was, there was no other way to do that. You know, that I, I think it was like a six or $700 course. And that allowed me to take my time online in the evenings and go through that course and, and learn all that stuff. And I didn't want to be a handyman, even though growing up on a farm, we offered handyman stuff in the yeah. in the beginning, but that wasn't going to be a scalable thing at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Cause you said, you said you tried, tried the handyman uh, doing handyman services and that was, that was kind of challenging. But one of the things that, that you've done that I think is really interesting is not only have you uh, expanded your business into multiple crews in the area. So you've got crews running around doing what they need to do, but you've expanded geographically too. And, and we'll talk about in a moment and you're, you're franchising now. So mm-hmm. um, what were some of the things that you saw? Cause you'd worked with your brother's companies, you guys expanded yep. crews there. So you kind of had the baseline for doing that. What were some of the things that you learned when you, when you moved geographically and expanded geographically? I think I think the biggest thing that I learned is that uh, managing people a thousand miles away is very very difficult on on the phone or on Zoom. There's a lot of yes people. Yeah, you bet, boss, or I got your back. I can do this for you. And like a day or two goes by, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I thought you were gonna go have those you know two networking meetings per day and this and that. And they're like, well, you know, the dog got sick, and then this and that. And it's like, well, man, we only ended up doing like two or three jobs last week in your area. And yeah. when I'm here and I do these same meetings and I, and I follow this template to have these meetings with these professionals, I'm scheduling one or two jobs after that meeting with their connections or referrals. So, so it's very, very difficult to, you know, what's not in front of you is, is really hard. And, and, and for me, it's, it, I'm not the best at managing people because I've got so many moving parts, all this stuff. And, and so that's, that's a weakness on me is, is managing people that, you know, you, you hire someone, you feel like you can hundred percent trust them. And, and people need to be, you know, consistently motivated, consistently encouraged. And at a thousand miles away, it's pretty tricky to do that. Even when we got down to the, we'd have like a morning check-in, all of us on Zoom. And even then it yeah. was still quite challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That is one of the things that I hear from, from just about every business owner as you're trying to scale. It's, it's keeping people so they absolutely understand if they're, and and for lack of better terms, in the green or in the red, in the green, right. yellow, red, right? So am mm-hmm. I doing what I need to do? Things going like I want? Do I got to improve a little bit or am I just not doing it? Right. And and uh, the systems that you use, I got to imagine that you had to develop some, rather than me, Damon, just saying, yeah, that was, well, I had a couple of great meetings, blah, 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 blah. You probably had to develop systems that said, okay, your backlog or something like that mm-hmm. is, is that did you really have to up your game with those kind of things as you move geographically yeah going back to you know i love that you brought up like the green the yellow the red stuff because that's exactly what we were doing we, we we are in minneapolis endeavor we had a few other locations and what we ended up doing was having these guys fill in an excel file that you would do your the, the amount of work that you did that day and the amount of time that you clocked in if you had a networking meetings we'd count that it was kind of like a score and the excel file would turn red or green Either you oh, had wow. a good day or you had a bad day. Well, now you've got your peers holding you accountable. And that was, that helped. You know, we, we, we did these little things. that like, okay, this is working for a little bit. And then also the guys would stop entering in or whatever. 
And yeah. so it would turn red or green on if you had an acceptable day or not. And when you get the peer pressure in there, similar to working with those guys at Russell Williams, you know, the, my brother's company, you get that peer pressure of, hey, this is the standard that we're holding ourselves to. That worked really, really well, better than anything that that I could do. But yeah, for people to know, I'm I'm at an acceptable level here. I did great. I, it's so rewarding to go home and, you know, when you're eating dinner with your family, whatever, like, yeah, I had a good day at work today. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. It was awesome. Rather than like, I think I'm doing good. You know, I think I love the green light, red light stuff. It, as simple as it seems, it's nice to know you're doing a good job. Yeah. And I think it naturally, as you said, it helps everyone do better because you go home feeling good. You know, first of all, what do I have to do? Mm -hmm. If I have to do a hundred jumping jacks and I get a hundred in and I go home, Hey, I know I did what I was supposed to do and everything's cool. And like you said, mm -hmm. you can go, you can enjoy yourself knowing that you did what you were supposed to do and everything's happy. I I can't tell you how many businesses that we talk to that that is not done. Those simple measures aren't in place for, for the vast majority of, of the companies or the majority of the people in the companies. Because if you've got someone that say, you know, washing washing the windows right you've got someone that's running a truck going out and washing windows you know what's success for me today mean getting two jobs done cool if i got two jobs done with no callbacks that that's i know that same thing right when it's somebody in the room that's that's measuring the checkbook or or some other crazy thing it it doesn't do the rest of the people that actually have to make the money and and make the business work uh, do them any good and when they right. then when they question or don't know or the expectations have not been set it, people just naturally just wander to, it, it, mm -hmm. it's not nearly as effective right so as you've grown your business because I, I imagine you didn't start with measures in place and things like that but no. um were you able to see improvements in performance over time as you've added more of these measures and 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 started to really understand the inner workings of your business and communicate that better to people yeah most definitely i think one of the most rewarding things that that we've done um one of our largest challenges is people don't google routine home maintenance that's is something that's like 13 yeah. people in this entire three million of minneapolis to search it a month you know it's it's no one so with that, you're trying to find out what people do search for air duct cleaning. So that's today 50% of our business. So now you're in this home, right? And and so the, the challenge is, how do you get your technicians to tell a homeowner that, hey, I noticed your bathroom fan is super dirty. I can clean it for you today for 30 bucks. By the way, we do 31 other things if you want, right? And we tried all these things and, you know, it'd be like, hey, I'll give you 15% commission. I'll give you 25%, right? And finally, what it ended up is uh, I had a guy come in and he's like, I want to make more money. I'm like, me too. We're on the same page. And, and, uh, and, and he, and he's like, you know, and I, I said, hey, I tell you what I, and I printed out my P and L for him. And I, I said, here's what we got going on, right? Top line, everything in between bottom line, the more that comes in, the more that can come out. I'm, I, I'm building this business. I always building to sell. Maybe it'll be when I'm hundred, maybe it'll be, you know, in a few weeks, who knows, but yeah, you know, always building this thing to sell. And so I, I don't take a lot out of it. If you want more, the only thing I need from you is just to get some more in the top and that can trickle down to your payroll, which is right here. And he, we, he agreed. He's like, it's just not worth it for me at, at like 25% commission. I go, what's, what's your number? He goes, well, if I, if I got half of what I upsold, I would, I would upsell way more. And this is one of my guys, like seasoned guys. He had been in for quite a while. And I'm like, I tell you what, well, I'll do it for a month at, with you and we'll see how it goes. And if, if it goes well for you, I'll lay it, I'll roll it off for everyone. And he, this guy who had never upsold a thing, started upselling. And he would text me every day, upsold this, upsold that, upsold that. And, and he's making a couple extra hundred bucks a week on his paycheck. So then we rolled it out to everyone, but then it faded out. Like I, I, I say this all the time, if every idea that we've ever had was implemented and stuck forever, we'd be like a billion dollar company. But you know, yeah. here we are, right? Because And so the best thing that we did is we have an internal Facebook page for all of our employees. It's just a private group of all of us. And in order to get paid, your 50% commission, you have to write it in that Facebook page. So guys are getting notifications throughout the day that Joe upsold this, you know, Jim upsold that, right? And so now it's, it's bringing back this peer pressure thing. And these guys keep on getting reminded that, well, it, you know, hey, you know, Antonio's getting, he upsold $600 this week. The guy's getting 300 extra dollars. Like that's yeah. nuts. You're, you're getting a seven and a half dollar raise this week if you work 40 yeah. hours. 
because yeah. you upsold stuff. And that started getting us more routine maintenance <coughs> clients. And it was just a huge win-win all the way around. I, I realistically lose money on the on the 50% commission things. You're, I'm still paying them hourly plus giving them commission. Yeah. But I'm like, it doesn't matter because it's they're making more money. And, and that's been a huge win for us. Yeah. Well, and it's cool too, because you've figured out a way to to properly get people to, uh, without A, to do what helps the company and helps themselves. And you've added without probably realizing and adding the gamification, which mm -hmm. people talk so much about this stuff and gamification and how it works. Because while I myself, Damon, might not upsell a lot when everybody's combined, that thing dings a lot and we get see a lot of upsells so it mm -hmm. makes it seem like everybody's doing it all the time yeah right yeah this is happening every hour throughout the day yeah. and i'm the only one not doing it i need to start yeah. doing it. i gotta fit in with everyone yeah it's worked out really well for us oh that's that's cool that's cool so when you are trying to recruit and retain well first of all recruiting talent what do you think is your your biggest challenge when you're trying to recruit talent? I I think the the amount of time it takes to weed through the the amount of just like mundane people that like select 30 jobs and hit apply and yeah. you gotta you gotta try to get them in and it, it takes all stuff. So creating systems and processes around that to make it so that whatever and so what we've done, that's one of the largest challenges, right? Like are you even a human being or are you a robot? So yeah. one thing that we've done is, is you just make it so that there's a few more um, action steps needed from the individual to, for them to prove that, hey, I actually want a job. And so at times that works really well because you have a ton of people applying for jobs. And at other times it doesn't work so well when unemployment is too low. But just doing a simple something as simple as um, replying all to all these people that takes a few seconds and, you know, they're not all CC, but BCC or whatever and, and say, hey, um, really interested to have you come in for an interview before that would you be willing to fill out this personality test for me it takes about five minutes and it does it's, a, it's like a very simple yeah. like disc assessment and they send that in and realistically for our technicians we do need all we need all kinds of kind you know we need the the introverted guy we need the super chatty guy because the introverted guy is off working the utility room getting the job done the extroverted guy is is talking mm -hmm. to the home homeowner so we need all types and and they fill that in if that's submitted okay now we know you're 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 actually generally interested now step two is you know, can I schedule a phone interview and I'll, I'll have like an assistant do that or something like that. And, you know, now, okay, we get you on the phone and you, you know, that, uh, 3 PM actually means 3 PM. And, and that's just basically a very fast screen question, you know, three to five minutes of, okay, we'll get you to come in. And because of that, the amount of people that come in for an interview, the, our higher rate is, it's so high. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's gotta be 75 to 80% of people get hired wow. that come in because we've screened them out just through these very simple, a few minutes of things getting that done. And the only time that really hasn't worked with us is October of 2021. We were trying to hire a few people and no one just no one was applying for anything. It didn't matter what the, you know, the unemployment was so low and and uh it was really challenging. But this spring we each spring and fall we get extra busy. We kind of our company grows like if you're walking up um stairs, you know, on a Eiffel Tower. So you go up a few steps and then you level out, you go up a few steps and those steps you seem to happen in the spring and fall. So we hired six hundred guys and it took me like four days it was it just it's so fast and it, it barely took me any time by creating those systems and processes yeah yeah now what kind of uh if you don't mind sharing if you don't want to that's cool uh i mean is your turnover high or is it not not real high or is it you know it's it's one or the other so i've got guys that have been with me for it seems like since day one and they're they're absolutely awesome and they've i mean they're they've been around forever and then i have the exact extreme opposite where guys come in and they're like they're summer they're here for the summer or they're they're just job hoppers okay. and they're here for like three four months so i would say we're we're above company or above like industry average of of like service technicians yeah. you know i i don't know exactly what my average is but i know we're above average because because of our routine maintenance clients, we have over 600 in Minneapolis and we're mm -hmm. servicing them every three months. We do provide consistent work and it's not like, Hey, it rained. Now all of a sudden we all have to go out and work or the sunshine. It's not so seasonal that my mm -hmm. guys can get very consistent 40 hour weeks. And that has allowed us to uh, keep guys on longer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know that when you talk about the things that you're doing and you talk about um, hiring and hiring easily, 
that that shows something about your company. And when you talk about retention, that shows something about your company. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask, how much have you had to push yourself as you've grown this company to continue being a better leader? I it's it's a continuous and nonstop. I mean, this year, my 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 one and only goal is I'm going to I'm going to consume 52 books between reading and, and audiobook. And I mean, and these aren't like this isn't uh, a nonfiction, whatever. I mean, these are yeah. business books. This is built to sell. This is start with why. I mean, 10x all all these books. A lot of them are re-listens from, you know, I listened yeah. to maybe what, three years ago when I was a completely different business person. But it's a it's a nonstop constant push because as soon as I get complacent or something, I mean, everything mud flows down or, you're, you know, you know, the yeah. phrase. So everything flows downhill. Right. And so if I get complacent and I'm like, hey, I'm super happy, let's just collect collect the profits on this year or this quarter. Well, guess what? And then then the general manager gets complacent and then his managers and the technicians and everyone else. And yeah. everyone's like, what's the point? Why would I follow up with this person again when the schedule's full enough? We're booked out a few days. So, yeah, I push myself. Um some would ask why, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm signed up to complete another Ironman triathlon uh, next summer. I'm I'm rocking and rolling. It's a, it's a continuous, yeah, push the limits. What, how much can you do in a um, in a in a day? But I, the one thing that I never waver from is I don't miss dinner with my family. That's that's one thing that I that I don't fall away from. And because um, it's you know faith, family, right? That's got to be yeah, before yeah. before yeah. work for sure. Well, the foundation has to be there. Right. 100%. Yeah. You have to have the foundation to be there because you won't. I mean, you can be a hollow person if, if one part of your life is working and the others mm -hmm. aren't. So, for sure. That's that's good, but it's it's great to hear that you're doing that because I I I know that a lot of people think that once they've become a business owner that, well, I'm, now I am. Mhm. Mm and it's not really. It's like it's like a, a friend of mine, Thane Isaac says if we don't think we're always becoming and becoming better, becoming, becoming, mm -hmm. uh, says we're, we're probably dying yeah. because, because we're not doing it. And I, it's cool to hear you say that, Hey, I'm reading 52 books this year. I'm mm -hmm. doing these kind of things and, and keeping in, especially to exercise because it is, um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. How much do you think the fact that, because I'm assuming if you're not you're not just getting up off the couch and doing a triathlon, so you're you're staying in right. somewhat of shape. How much do you think that that, in conjunction with the the leadership work and the other things you're doing, is keeping your body in shape is helping you? I would say it's a it's it's huge. It's a it's extremely crucial because now I, I think just so I've had I believe I've had one sick day in six years where I wasn't able to go into work right and and doing these little things of of getting eight hours of sleep. Uh, drinking water is <laughs> that's, that's a complicated house plant right and yeah. and eating eating healthy which my wife has a huge part to do with but yeah getting to the gym my alarm goes off at 4 58 every morning and and i'm i'm getting up i'm i'm going and i have people that meet me there if i don't make it there i get harassed all day long via text but i'm i'm this and i'm that i'm a huge wimp and and i don't want to deal with that so i go yeah. and yeah it's extremely crucial i think i think the best part about it is you get up early you get it done and that's the hardest part of your day. Now you can deal with maybe a tough conversation with an employee or, you know, hopefully not every day, but if a customer is upset, it's like, you know, what, I already yeah. kind of dealt with the crappy part of my day of, of getting up out of bed early or, or doing this. And, and this now is just easier. So I think it's so important to have a fresh start. And, and if you wake up at, you know, if you say, if you, if you're working from home and your alarm goes off at seven fifty-five and you roll out and you start clock, you know, working away at 8am, it's like, where's the me time, you know, where's the time to look out the window and be appreciative of the sunset, you know, things like that. I think it's, get yourself right and now you can you can give your best to the company whatever time of day that is yeah yeah that's awesome well i'm glad we got to cover that a little bit because you're right you know it, it does you can get that out get that and you get your blood pump at two in the morning mm -hmm. rather than like you said wake up and go you know sit in front of a computer or go to work and uh, right. you you really get your blood pumping and you get to and you're talking with people and you're letting your body and your mind wake up it's so much more productive days after that for sure. Um, it, it was only recently in the last few years I realized how important that is and how much it really helps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up in, in managing companies when I grew up. I mean, you you knew you probably were going to have a heart attack. You probably were going to go through, mm -hmm. you, you know, 
unfortunately, you're probably going to be married more than once. Sure. You know, all these kind of things. And, and, and just because you're going to work hard, you're not going to eat right. You're going to, you know, that's right. just what you're going to do. Right. And the, the wonderful thing I see and, and from talking to you and talking to other younger entrepreneurs is you're taking the time to keep mm -hmm. developing your skills, keep yourself healthy, spend time with your family, because that is that the whole you is what really uh, gets gets you through a successful journey. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to hear that. It's cool to hear that. Ah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So how many Ironmans have you done? I've only done one full yeah. Ironman, uh, yeah. and I think like 28 triathlons and and a couple marathons. But uh, so this is gonna be number two. Only, full. only. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was a little bit only. younger then, but now it's time. It's time to get back into it, and uh, so I'm really excited. And I was actually with a coworker that I that we were talking, and it's like, hey, we we gotta do we gotta do something. Let's push ourselves outside of the comfort zone, and and uh, so I so I I signed up, and I sent him the screenshot, and it's it's your turn, and he he sent me the same screenshot a few minutes later. So. Uh, yeah, super excited to do number two. I'm, I'm not going to try to uh, beat a world record this last yeah. time. I was a little bit younger and quite a bit more free time on my hands. I, I, I went all out. And so this one's going to be more of a, I'm going to be very content crossing the finish line in 12, 13 hours. So um, yeah. very excited to do number two. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and the, the camaraderie and the other things that you learn about yourself just for winning that training is, is, is invaluable as well. Yeah, you meet some really awesome people. Um, I was on a the side story, but I was on a bike ride when I was training for my last one. It was a hundred mile ride uh, locally here in Minnesota, and I was biking next to a guy. He was like, he seemed he seemed 55, 60, and and he was kicking my butt. And this is like every mile, like 30, 40. And this guy, he's pulling us like he's he's the front because on on bikes you can really yeah. um, get it, get in that channel really nice. So finally, I think at mile like 85 or 90, enough people had dropped off and I'm too stubborn. I'm, I'm working my tail off and I, and ended up, I'm, I'm chatting with him a little bit. And about a week later, I'm sitting next to a buddy at, at school and I'm telling him, yeah, you know, I was on a bike ride and, and I'm like, you guys wouldn't believe this guy. He was he, twice from my age, just kicked my butt. And he goes, was his name Greg? And I'm like, yeah, his name was Greg. He goes, yeah, that's my dad's friend. He was telling me that he knew a guy from Bethel. That was Greg Lamond. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even know it. So I was biking with Greg Lamond for this hundred mile bike ride. I had no idea. And he's still, he's still out there. He's still kicking butt. He's legit. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a really cool thing. He, I don't know if he still has it, but he has a few houses here in Minnesota. And uh, yeah, you get surrounded by people that are doing pretty cool things. And, and I, I'm like, man, I wish I would ask a few more questions. We, you know, we were just having a great conversation the entire bike ride, but should I ask like, what's your last name? Cause I usually say, what's your name? Oh, Greg. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, you meet oh, pretty cool people incredible. out there. Yeah, that's that my claim incredible. to fame. If I my my uh, my celebrity that I that I've spent some time with. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So as you look forward to the future, now we were talking about this before. You're in the Minneapolis area. You're in Denver area, and and you you had some in uh, some of your own offices that you had opened, but then you you decided to pivot and said, you know, I and really think that franchising is going to work better for us. Mm -hmm. um, what what do you think that franchising will allow you to do that that you're really excited about yeah so you know i think is what's really important for entrepreneurs to do is to take some time to self-reflect right and like you said dan we had started a few locations and and managing these guys from a thousand miles away is not my strong suit we were, we were not super great at it and so um ultimately there's 195 plus locations in in the united states that have a million plus people in their metropolitan areas and and i I think that Cure Home would do really well in all of them. And so you've, you've set this goal to, to be in them. And, and so how do you get there? And around the same time as we're trying to figure out that those challenges, we were getting people calling us from regions all over the U.S. saying, hey, I love your routine maintenance subscription that you have going on. Can you can I come spend a week with you? I'll pay you like five grand. It's like, eh, I don't really I don't really want a sidekick for a week or whatever. You know, you're trying to figure this out. It's yeah. like, well, maybe I'll start there. Well, then eventually it started happening very routinely. And so we decided that having someone who's invested in this and they want us to see it succeed as much as you do would be the best route. And so we actually, I asked my, my brother had franchised his business. He never sold one, but I called him. I said, can I use your FDD? I'm going to change all the words. I'm going to call a lawyer. And they said, you know, if you want to draft one, we'll proof it. So I was able to get that very affordable. We already have a 600 page operations manual. I mean, everything is in that thing. And, uh, and so we decided to start franchising. It's a it's a game of patience because it's a very long sales process. Yeah. But um, we're 
we've got a, a gentleman who's working on the financing right now and we should be in the west side of florida here in no time so i think that the franchise will be the best route and and if not we'll we'll reevaluate and and go from there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i think it, it too like you said it it builds around your strengths and your strengths mm -hmm. are you know providing good systems and, and mm -hmm. a way to run your business and and then you let others manage it in the other locations mm -hmm. for uh, sure and, and do it that way um because i do i do really like the way that you've taken and and narrowed this and we talked about this a little bit before we got on because there's a lot of people that when they talk about home services they go well, well what do you need done right yep talk a little bit about your discovery path from going to well what do you need done to where you're at today where you have a defined set of services that you do yeah in the beginning when it was me and my pickup truck out of the garage i would do anything for anyone that would pay me a buck right like 50 bucks great love it right now i can now i can eat tonight and uh and then you you get employees and you realize that they can't do those same things and you and you in order to scale you need to be able to say yes my 18 technicians can do this and i can send any one of them so how do you get these things training so um I think two important phrases is that you can't be everything to everyone. And realistically, you don't want to be. And yeah. secondly, is that craftsmanship is not scalable and, and it's very challenging. So we, like we started that. doing handyman and we got rid of it. And the best thing that we ever did is we created a list of things that were factual. It like it's black and white. Did you change the furnace filter? Yes or no. Did you drain the water heater sediment? Yes or no. All these things of, did you put five bags of softener salt in or not? Right. It's, it's, it's very, very factual and and this customer checked the box and then you need to check the box for the quarter that you were there and you take a photo of it on a nice little client form that we have for you and you send the client form and it's repeatable i can send any technician to any one of our 600 clients homes and they know exactly what they're doing well in the meantime so now that sounds really smart and that sounds really nice but in the meantime people aren't googling routine home maintenance so we get this idea well people are everyone's googling handyman we should add that so in uh, this is my fail story. We we started in in February of 2021, and we I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna hire one handyman, and I'm just gonna send out a casual newsletter to our 1,200 um, contacts on there, or 12,000, excuse me. And we were like instantly booked out a month. It was like, boom, like okay, this guy's super busy. Not well, he's like, well, my neighbor is a handyman too, and and he'd come work for us. Well, that turned into like 11 handyman out there working. But the money, the problem is we weren't making money on it. Like we ended up, we did from. It was from uh, Jan or February to November, 2021. We did $424,000 with the handyman work. Like it was fast, explosive growth. The problem is that our payroll and material cost was 408,000. So everything in between, that's not including like gas, vehicles, yeah, I mean, you yeah. can tools. You can imagine the amount of money that like fell out of this place and right out the bottom. And, and so it was extremely challenging. Ultimately, at the end of it, we we decide, hey, you know, that's when we really get into this green light, red light thing. Are you do you have a profitable day? Do you do everything? And it was extremely challenging, and, and we were getting customers that were upset. Like we barely have an upset customer, so now you're dealing with people like, hey, you know, he we have a hole that in our sheetrock, and it doesn't look absolutely perfect. It's like, oh no, I got to find my like my sheetrock guy and get him there. And you're like juggling all this stuff, and it's it's not profitable. I think. A lot of there's a there's a reason why there's a ton of one man handyman companies because they can he answers the phone he goes to go out and bid and then he goes out and fixes it. Well, we'd have a client care coordinator. We were really good at answering phones and emails. That was great. So people love that. And then we go have a sales manager go out. He'd do the bid. And we got to the point where he would actually he'd video what we were gonna do. So you know he'd say, hey, right here we're gonna fix this hole in this drywall and we're gonna cut this out and we have Susie's uh, approval to do that for. $350. Susie, is that correct? Yep. We get there like a week later and she's like, oh no, 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 that's not, we were going to take all this out and that room. And it's like, Susie, that's a $4,000 project. Right. And and now you've got, and the guys like a lot of times we get talked into be like, no, we were going to do that for 350 bucks. And it was so challenging. There was, and it was really hard to manage. These guys were like cowboys, but at the end of the day, um, several of them found different jobs. I actually helped a few of them start their own company and they're, they're off doing great. And, uh, awesome. and it was, it was good to just be done with that. But you're, I think you, you really hit on it. Craftsmanship is not scalable and it, it's very hard in that, in that very diverse service model, mm -hmm. uh, to do a very high quality, uh, job consistently. And what you've done by taking your services and saying, these are the most needed routine services in a home 
and and going okay which one of these do you want or do you want them all uh, and, and and just go boom then you go right. hey like you said it's i i replaced the furnace filter yes mm-hmm. here's the new one here's the old one right so that's simple kind of stuff and it's the stuff that we need to have done because as you said there's so many systems in in a home anymore when you look at it I mean, just go back 20 years. It's just right. it's so different. So different. Everything 100%. from the, the air handling systems to the yeah. the different air purifiers that people use, the water purifiers. the Right. And uh, like you said, where you're at, the the uh, water softeners that you need to keep going. And wow, yeah. so much stuff. So much stuff. It's, it's very complex. And, and Damon, you hit it right on the head, too, of houses are becoming more complex. And a lot of people that we take care of the homes for them. They didn't grow up in the home. They grew up in a daycare and then they were in school. And so they didn't even grow up like watching someone maintain this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, to your point, like all these things are, they're becoming code to, to have this, you know, air exchanger or all these things in place. And people are like, I didn't, I don't even know what that is. Like, like we'll walk through and show you, you know, Hey, here's everything we can maintain for you based on our checklist. What, what items do you want? And we'll go through and they're like, yeah, I don't even know what that is. So you should probably maintain that. And I don't know what that is. So you should maintain that. And that's what people love about it. It's just, we'll maintain this really nice list. But also back to your point, David, the, the best part about having that list of the 32 services is that sheetrock repair is not on that list. So when homeowners say, hey, while you're here, can you do this for me? And the guys will be like, you know, unfortunately, these are the services that I can professionally offer for you that we're insured for. And we try to do one thing extra for every single customer. And sometimes it's shoveling yeah. snow off the sidewalk or sweep the utility room or whatever, you know, change, change a light bulb, whatever it is. But uh, but it's, it's it's really nice to have that in the list of here's everything that I know all my technicians that are trained in. We can professionally offer that service. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I tell you what, it, Daniel, it's, it's been awesome talking to you. And I tell the way that you've taken a home services business and structured it to be scalable, structured it to be around critical services that people have in their home, that critical maintenance, routine maintenance things, and then made it easy for them to keep doing it and then made it easy for your people to do a good job doing it, I think is really something. Thank it's you. Really something. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun, yeah. fun journey so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I just want to thank you for being here today. If someone wants to get a hold of you and talk to you about Cura Home, if they're in the Minneapolis or Denver area and they need home maintenance services, uh, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, find us online, curahome.com. It's K-U-R-A. We, we post a ton of really valuable educational content on social media. If you want to get in touch with me personally, I manage my own uh, LinkedIn profile and you can just search Daniel Felt on there. And you can find me and we we love connecting with people across the country awesome awesome so and if people want to talk to you about a franchise i'm assuming the same thing connect with daniel on on linkedin yep yep that'd be great or the website okay good well thanks so much for being here daniel it's really been awesome talking about how scaling a home services business because i think you've taken a a a really good long-term approach to doing this thank you greatly appreciated you had well thanks everyone for listening today and since it's thursday we'll be back again next week with another guest on the faces of business thanks so much for being here and we'll be back later